Hello and welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and this show is for hopeful creatives who are marketing their work on the internet. My guests and I will inspire you to do it better and more boldly. That's the plan. Thank you for coming. Here are some ways you can support the show. It'll give you a warm feeling inside. First, you can subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. You could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those things really help other people to find us. And you can join the inner circle for extra content. I'm talking about the Just Bloody Post-It membership, which is where I share an exclusive podcast every week about business and marketing matters. This week, it's my tips for writing an email that sells. Click the link in the show notes to join us. On with the episode. This time, we're going to cut through the crap, false promises and six-figure shenanigans to talk about what it is really like to grow a following and then use it to power your work. Then, to have it derailed by something completely out of your control with the digital entrepreneur, Jen Stanbrook. You know, I have had quite a rocky perimenopausal journey over the last four or five years and I've lent into that and when I felt ready to lead other people through that part of my journey, I'm very happy to share it. And so a lot of my communities, we do talk very openly about the shit show of emotions and hormones that can wreck your business at this point of your life when you just feel on the cusp of something awesome and great. Jen is a digital journey woman who's been creating content for more than 10 years, first as an interiors blogger, then as a Pinterest grandmaster. She is the goat on Pinterest. Now she teaches it all, even TikTok as a digital business coach. We talk about the secret to her longevity and success, how to run a good course, and how the perimenopause and menopause has impacted on Jen's business and self-esteem. First, because I'm always interested to see how people in this game describe their role, maybe because I struggle with it a bit myself, I asked Jen why she calls herself a digital entrepreneur. I think that whole naming yourself can be very difficult when you work online because these words mean different things to different people. So I am of the opinion that I choose that name Uh, depending on how I'm feeling at any one current time, to be honest. And the name varies, but yeah, definitely digital entrepreneur because I am absolutely somebody who creates a business online. All of my business is digital and has been for the last 10, 12 years. And so I'm also looking at lots of different ways of creating a business, and I feel that definitely puts me into the vein of being entrepreneurial. So yeah, hence digital entrepreneur and content creator, I guess. I do not like the phrase influencer. (laughs) Uh, I am an old school blogger. And my blog, uh, which is part of my business, is still very much alive and very much part of my business. Yeah, digital entrepreneur, content creator, that's where I'm at right now. I totally respect your uh, right to change your mind depending on the weather, what day it is, how you're feeling, Uh, you know, halfway through the week. I'm exactly the same when it comes to talking about this podcast, my work, what I do. You know, it's, uh, it's a very hard thing to really, really 
nail down. And actually, why why should we? Why can't we just be all the things? Well, I think I think that's it, isn't it? These things are ever evolving, and that's the point, really. I think probably I always try to get across with my people, my audience, is that there's no right way to do any of this. And what we're doing today might not be right in six months' time because everything will have changed. Everything goes on its head, as we know. And so part of this journey is being able to respond. It's being able to shift your goals or your focus. And I think for me and probably for you, Helen, you know, it's it's just that little bit of staying ahead of the curve, always looking, always watching what's coming, what's going to be big, what's going to be happening, and working that into a business that feels aligned with who you are and what you want and how you're working right now, you know, because again, that will change. How then did you begin to grow that audience uh, that I think must be incredibly loyal and long-standing? There are uh, definitely, yeah. Um, You know, as I say, there are two two main streams to my business. And one is the blog, which is called Love Sheet Living. It's a home interiors blog. And it's just a huge part of my business still and was very much part of my business that I leaned into, um, you know, during the pandemic and so and afterwards. Um, The other part, obviously, is the coaching, the mentoring, the digital entrepreneur side where I, I help creative business women mainly who are probably you know, of a of a demographic, probably over 40-ish, who are looking to create a business online and market it. So yeah, they do tend to be quite loyal, which is lovely. And there are people that have stuck around a long time. Uh, so the loyalty comes in all kinds of different forms. You know, there are people that I work with through the blog who, this is exactly what we're seeing right now in creating content um, for the blog and, and Instagram and so on, is that people who I've worked with in 2017, 18, 19, they're all coming back. Whereas they were quiet maybe for a couple of years because, you know, obviously we didn't know what was happening with budgets and so on. They're all coming back now. And I love that. I love that loyalty because I think it's really important for people running an online business to know that they are at the center. They are the epicenter of their business. And that loyalty and that following comes because people feel that connection and that relationship with you. It's just so easy to hide. Absolutely. If you need to, then do it, you know, but. I feel like I'm just learning this now. Gosh, you learn so much every year, I always think, in life. So I'm about five years into having an online profile and probably more like three years into having an online business. And then I hit a bit of a an energy wall at the beginning of the summer and I stepped back for a month or so and I'm completely back into my work now loving it again and have just been so touched by how people you know you do think oh gosh if I go a little bit quiet you know is everybody going to move on but you know people are so connected with what you do they remember where you've come from they are interested to see where you're going and that it that does come from being able to be yourself. And I didn't start this until I was 40. And I 
at the very beginning just thought there is absolutely no point in being anything other than myself. I am a 40 year old woman going onto bloody Instagram. Like I can't pretend to be anything else. And have you always felt very comfortable in your lane, in your zone online, I suppose? Yeah, I think I have really. And I think that comes from being um, quite, when I first started, I was, I mean, I'm 52 now. So I, I've been doing this since, yeah, my early 40s. And, and I've had various different careers and I feel like they've all led to this point, which, you know, it's all part of that journey. I've always felt okay with it. But as I've got into my late 40s and early 50s, and I think, you know, and I talk about this quite openly, how perimenopause and menopause affects us. It has definitely affected me and affected confidence at times, self-esteem. You know, I've questioned what I'm doing. Let's face it, we've all lived through one of the most extreme life experiences we can have in the last two and a half years. And so absolutely, we're all going to hit walls and need to take time out and, and not be as present as we have been. And, and I've done exactly the same as you, Helen. I'm only just back after having several months sitting away from it all because my life just sort of turned upside down this year and I just starting to feel that I can get back into my work and like, like you loving it and just doing it all again and the energy is back and we have to be okay with that uh, you know you have to be okay with knowing that the journey is your journey and it will take whatever form it takes people come and people go and that's okay too and it's you know there might be people listening thinking well I haven't got a loyal following and I would say to you you know the loyalty only lasts so long because people's lives move on and especially in the last few years, businesses have changed hugely. So be open to making new connections, but also know that those connections you had three or four or five years ago, they can come back and they do. So just be yourself because who knows what, what's going to happen. We have no business taking responsibility or take, you know, for what other people need. You know, we can offer what we can offer, but, you know, if it's not the right time for someone... It's not, you, you know, don't it's take not. it personally. No. Don't see it as a failure on your part that you haven't been good enough for the person to connect with you in, in whatever it is that you sell. It just not, might not be the right moment, but just keep that energy up. Keep that connection open. Let people in. And, you know, sometimes somebody comes out, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate in building your email list. And I've been doing that for many years. And, you know, I look at somebody that might have bought something from me and think, wow, they've been on my list for three years. I could question my nurturing techniques. Maybe the timing has never been right for that person to buy something. They stuck around. They kept listening. And when the moment was right and the product was right, they bought. And they're part now of your journey and your part there. So never under underestimate the value of keeping that energy going and the opportunities there. This is really interesting because I've been thinking actually about how I can share content <laughs> around patience. And, you know, I, I spent a good couple of years building my audience before I decided to uh, sell anything to them. And that's partly because I didn't know quite what I was going to sell at the beginning. And it, it was a bit of an experiment. It's, it took a little while for that to become clear. But I now understand that probably I needed to put that legwork in regardless of whether I had anything to sell at the very beginning. It takes 
a lot of time for people to get to know you, especially when you might be selling something that involves working with you. It's got a bigger ticket price. And I I see a lot of people and work with a lot of people who are very impatient to get those those sales happening instantly. And I, I think that's, I think you're asking a lot. I don't know, what what do you think about the... Uh, the build towards making well yes <laughs> I have a bit of a view on that <laughs> because one might argue the point that um and I see this a lot that we can you know we might build an audience build an audience offer free content do loads of stuff great give great value and then that that shift comes when we want to sell something and that audience is not used to buying from you they are used to you sharing and so there's a fine line between building that audience and showing that they get great value when they buy. And so it can be very difficult for people to transition from spending a couple of years building an audience and then saying, right, now I'm going to sell to you. That doesn't always work. What you'll find is the audience you have is never going to buy. They're not the right audience. So be very careful. My advice with that would be. Yeah, I okay, I, I agree with you. And I think I would never pretend, I would say to somebody, don't pretend you haven't got something that's up for sale or that you don't do a job that people buy into. I think it's about being realistic, managing your expectations around results and how quickly your content content sharing is going to start feeding back into your business. Um, It's probably not going to be four or five weeks Exactly. And of course, we, you know, I love your little intro there where you're talking about six figure shenanigans and all the rest of it. You know, and all that messaging out there that says, oh, launch a course, sell a course. Everybody can sell a course. You got something that somebody, you know, you, everyone's got something someone else wants to buy. It's not that easy. I've been selling courses for six, seven years and I completely had the wrong audience when I started. And it's taken me three or four years to get to the point of understanding exactly how marketing and creating content that people want to buy, how it works. And the nuances around all of that are extreme. And I've had several one-to-one clients who I've worked with, helped them turn their knowledge into a high-ticket course. And it isn't easy to sell. And so I I do not like this rhetoric that everyone can make a course $27 and sell it. It's absolutely not the case. You have to know how to market that course and you have to know how to create course content that gets results. It's not good enough to just whip up everything you know and, and give it to somebody for 27 quid. It doesn't work because you won't get the testimonials, your clients won't get results, and there'll be no momentum no longevity in your business. So I'd say, yeah, there's this element of building that following. Maybe show that following that you've got, you know, even if it's a $9 product or a 30 quid class or whatever it is, start educating them, get value from you and they get the result when they buy. Teach yourself properly how to market a course and how to create a course that gets results. Nobody can see us, but I'm sitting on the other end, nodding my head. Uh, you know, it, it breaks my heart slightly when I, 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 you, I know when I meet somebody who's got this great idea for this course that they want to sell for four nine nine, and 
you know, people just don't go from zero investment to hundreds and maybe thousands of pounds investment overnight. And it may and ha- and have you asked anybody whether that's the course they want? Have you checked, you know, you know, talk to people about what is going to work for them in terms of their schedule and, you know, oh man, no. Exactly. You know, because the biggest, the biggest mistake I see people who want to create courses, the biggest mistake they make is that they create what they believe a person needs. They don't create what that person wants. So the difference is is huge. You know, you could say, well, I know I can create, I know that this potential client needs to know how to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but they don't know that. They think they want something completely different. You sell them what they want, teach them what they need when they're in. And that's the biggest mistake I made, you know, when I first made courses in the day, Something popped up on my Facebook feed actually yesterday for a course I sold, my very first course. Uh, that was six years ago. I flew what I was doing really. And some people bought it. And it, you know, that course doesn't exist anymore because this is a huge learning curve and it's it's just not easy. Uh, but it's brilliant. It's good when it works. It's amazing. And you have a massive impact on people, on their lives. And and I love that. I mean, I know you work with women too. And and I just love that women our age kind of reinventing how they want their life to be. And that includes being online. And that can be a daunting place if it's not natural for you. And, you know, we've done it for many years. And I like to help people through that because it shouldn't be difficult. And there are people out there that can help you. Anyway. I just love the impact that that can have on somebody. Makes everything worthwhile. Does. Um, I I got you here uh, under selfish pretenses because the way I discovered you years back, Jen, is because you are a Pinterest expert. And over the summer, I've been revisiting Pinterest as a platform because I'm hoping it might be a way to generate more listens for this podcast, actually, by sharing quotes on Pinterest from, you know, people who've been on the show. Because the beauty of Pinterest is that you can include a link on your pin and people can click to then listen to the show. Is Pinterest still something you do? 100%. Yeah. For your work? work. Yeah, yeah. It's my, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. Uh, So we pin all the time to, this is on the blog side. So Pinterest covers two sides, the both sides of my business. On the blog side, we pin all the time and it drives traffic probably about 40 or 50,000 people a month across to that blog. So that's just from Pinterest. And the other side, obviously, I teach Pinterest. I teach businesses and brands how to use Pinterest as a marketing tool for their creative business. So, in fact, um, I just worked with somebody one-to-one who wants to uh, make that all happen for their podcast. So, yeah, it's a very common thing right now. Why is it still a uh, a relevant platform that you would recommend people consider? Okay, so it's very different. If you've used Pinterest in the past, it's very different now. A lot of people are like, oh, Pinterest doesn't work anymore. And they think that because it used to be very fast and instant and you could put stuff out there and you would get traffic. Uh, it's not the case anymore. And it is very much a big slow burn. 
But what it is, of course, is this alternative graphic source of potential ideal clients that isn't social media. So it's not Instagram. Yeah. So it's there as a long-term strategy in your business to bring people to your website. And what I always recommend is that you have a strategy in place that includes what I call my pin to purchase funnel. So you would have a purpose, like you have a purpose. You want to get them through to re- to listen to the podcast. What I would su- what I would suggest is you want to get them through to sign up and subscribe to the podcast because it does take energy and an investment of time, potentially money in Pinterest. It's a long term slow build. By potentially money, are you talking about using a- a- ads on Pinterest or in? No, uh, not necessarily, but just more your time, I think. And if you're going to pay to outsource it, because what we find is a lot of businesses don't have the time investment for it. So think about if you're going to outsource it to, um, you know, a VA or, or interest manager or something like that. I mean, that's the truth. Again, it's another one of those uh, truths that I'd be keener to talk to people more about in future, because obviously, you know, what I do a lot of is helping people do their own marketing. But it's also true that perhaps it would sometimes be easier to pay somebody to help you. <laughs> do you do you get help? Oh gosh, 100%. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I have a VA that works for me. So I have a Pinterest manager um, anyway, and we work collaboratively to, she does most of the, you know, donkey work, if you like, of putting the pins up. Um, idea pins are a huge part of Pinterest now. They're massive. And I wouldn't, would say to anybody investing in a Pinterest strategy, you must include idea pins. What what what's that? What's that? What's that? I have no idea. So an idea pin is relatively new, been around for 18 months now. And it's like a mashup of an Instagram story, carousel, reel, put into a pin. So it's but it stays there forever, loops through various frames. It's video content. We, you can use it with static content. We do it in all kinds of different ways. Um, and I have, shameless plug, a, a, a membership, a subscription called Pin Kit, where we give you loads of um, templates to use in your idea pins and normal pins. So, for example, an idea pin, I did a collaborative one with a brand recently. So, again, all this is all mashed up together. So I did one for a big uh, UK home interiors brand. I looked at it again yesterday, 77,000 impressions, 500 clicks on that pin. So we're seeing huge reach with idea pins because Pinterest love them. They want to push them. So they've got a lot of oomph behind them. So definitely they're like, you know, they're a great way to tell your story. So like for you, Helen, what I'd say is every podcast episode, create an idea pin for it and give a kind of like beginning to end how to or this is why, or five tips on, or, you know, it's that kind of content that you can create um, over on your idea pin. Works brilliantly well. So is that your number one advice for somebody if they're getting into Pinterest at the moment is consider idea pins? Is it like the real, the yeah. reels, the reels yeah, don't of Pinterest? Ignore the idea pin. That, yeah. yeah. Much easier to do than Pinterest, than reels. Um, and yeah, you don't have to overcomplicate it. They're quite straightforward. Just do one a week. And then do your normal standard pins. And that's kind of like where your strategy wraps up, it's up in itself. And you probably need a couple of hours a week. You need a tool to schedule stuff. 
um, you know, as a business, the only way to manage it, you know, I wouldn't advise manual pinning and it's definitely uh, what you want to what you want to aim for. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, you know, you need an education in Pinterest. But you know what, that's actually that's true with any of the platforms or with email. I sense from you a real interest in how any social media platform works and operates. Are you a quick? Are you a bit of a geek? Not at all. No, what, I, what I'm doing here is taking away the fear, the overwhelm and the emotion that many women get sort of tied up in when they look at all of this sort of social media or digital marketing malarkey by pairing it down to the how to's and the actual technicalities of how this stuff works. Let's just plan in place. Let's not worry about being scared of showing our face or overwhelmed by how many pins we have to do. Let's just plan and just follow it because that takes away all of the fear, all of the procrastination. And it's like, you know, you mentioned that I've got this TikTok thing running at the minute. Yeah. TikTok's a great platform. It's fun. I want business to be fun for my people, for me. Let's just have a go. We're running a 30-day challenge and let's just see if we can create a strategy out of those 30 days that those businesses that, that then can just run with. But I know my people and many women are going to go, we shouldn't be playing with TikTok. Oh my God, no. We're going to get loads of negative feedback and da 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 da, da. So Let's just see what can work for us. Let's record in a spreadsheet. Size it. Let's chat about it. Let's just do it and see what happens. It's a bit like you. Just bloody post it. Just bloody do it. I just bloody do it. I mean, it, uh, there's a lot in life that comes down to that, 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 that sentiment really, isn't there? Actually, also, I can report from people that I've been working with who are spending time on TikTok and they might be in our age group are finding actually there's a really warm, welcoming community of people who are all a bit like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to be on TikTok and we're going to sort of have each other's back. Are you posting a lot to TikTok? Yeah. Uh, Well, I've started and that's the whole point of this challenge is that I want, I know that it's going to be great. Um, and I'm the same as everybody else. You know, I'm time poor. Uh, I may be slightly frustrated with Instagram. It's never been my place particularly, but I use it because I, you know, it is part of business marketing. Um, and there are other places that I enjoy more. And so I want to experience that and experiment with it. And I want people to come along and do that with me. And like you said, right back to the beginning, the loyalty of your audience is that people that have been with you all the while, they want you to my job is to help them explore and expand their marketing and their business and themselves personally and so yeah I know I've got people and the people that have signed up already they're my loyal crowd who buy most things that I do because they trust me they value how I help them and that's what it's all about really it's for me to get that message out there and saying come on let's let's give this a go I've got your back I'm going to make it simple for you. You're going to have a plan. It's going to be okay. That's exactly what I do. And, and you know, let's let's shift that across to TikTok. It's a really interesting point you make, actually, about the fact it's your it's your most loyal, regular people who are like, oh, yeah, let's do TikTok with Jen. Because um, 
often I've held back from teaching certain things because I think, oh, I'm not an absolute expert in that. Or, uh, you know, I haven't been teaching Instagram recently because I haven't been as focused on the platform. So I feel I've fallen back from updates and what you need to do at the moment. Uh, Also, maybe slightly fallen out of love with the the platform myself, as lots of people would admit, I think. Um, But um, but, but actually, uh, quite often I'll get a message from somebody who'll say, Helen, could you please just do a TikTok course because I want to do it your way and they don't you know they want to do it with you and I think we should all we should all you know have a bit more confidence in our teaching ability or just the fact that you're somebody people feel comfortable with so therefore you don't have to know absolutely everything about something in order to support your community oh 100% you know from our perspective it's about understanding the people that we connect with, follow us, the people that we help. And it's understanding what their journey is and what we can now put in place to help them on that journey. And, you know, from anybody that sells digital products, services and so on, um, you know, the misconception is that you have to be this 100% expert and know absolutely everything. And, you know, you, you, you absolutely don't, but you have to have something that makes you a viable coach or mentor or whatever you want to call it uh because you know you have to be sure that you are going to get a result for that person be very clear what it is you're selling and what they're signing up to and what you're giving them and what the end result is going to be my tiktok challenge the end result is going to be the businesses will know if it's viable marketing tool for them and you see the language i use it's not emotional it's all quite and like, so I can see why you say, oh, you're, you know, you must be a, a, a platform geek. Uh, but I'm, you know, I use it. I think, right, great. My audience need this. Let's figure out a way to enable them to have it. And so that's, that's what we do. It's the bottom line of what we're doing, isn't it? It's, it's just making it easier for our clients and the people that are in our audience. I am interested to know what you would attribute your uh, longevity to. You know, people come and people go and people get frustrated and people get emotional and people go, oh, Instagram, forget about it. How do you, how have you kept going steadily in this business for so long now? What do you put that down to? So it's a really good question. And I do think about that a lot because I do think, you know, especially during the pandemic and so on, oh, shall I go and do something else? Fundamentally, I flipping love it. And I think it's a big thing. You have to love what you do, don't you? You have to really be fired up by certain things. I love the speed very often. I am a person that needs change and I am not good with the same thing forever and ever well it's not my bag and so I'm very comfortable with that I'm never gonna never gonna be somebody that just does the you know the same old thing never gonna launch a course again and again and again and again I'm bored with it now let me move on and do something else so there is that part of it that I love the creativity of everything I have done for the last 10 years then I think the other thing is you know, I do have an entrepreneurial mind. I do think that way. Where's where's all this going? What do I want? What's happening in the background here? How can I stay ahead of the curve? Do I want to stay ahead of the curve? 
And so those are things I'm always thinking about and looking at and questioning in myself. And I suppose that's what's kept me relevant is I do lean into my own journey. And, you know, I have had quite a rocky perimenopausal journey over the last four or five years. And I've lent into that. And when I felt ready to lead other people through that part of my journey, I'm very happy to share it. And so a lot of my communities, we do talk very openly about the shit show of emotions (laughs) and hormones (laughs) that can wreck your business at this point of your life. When you just feel on the cusp of something awesome and great, and you're on that and you feel like you've all this knowledge and wisdom and it's your moment and then menopause hits you like a 10-ton truck from behind and you did not see it coming and so how do you navigate through that what do you do what's different and I've got all kinds of ideas and things that I would love to put out there for my people um partly I have to be okay as well and I haven't been and so stuff gets derailed and I've gone off on a tangent but I'm just saying that that's all part of the journey and it's about bringing that to your audience and being real and authentic staying creative really I think that's it in a nutshell for me and is that how you've grown this audience I suppose I mean I get asked this myself like what what's the what is the most important thing you need to do in order to grow an audience or what's the most important element of marketing I mean, do we even know? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't think there's an easy answer to that at all. You know, people say, oh, it's showing up. It's consistency. It's being authentic. It's a combination of all those things. It is being authentic. But we started the conversation saying you can be slightly inconsistent for a minute or two. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, and nothing, you no, know, nothing ends. Uh, but maybe consistency is a long, is a long, you should look at that. You should stand back and look at like 10 years and think, how can I be consistent over 10 years rather than over the next 10 days? You know, one of the things that I've always done, Helen, is I've taken opportunities when they've come my way. And I've experimented and um, I sent out an email today, was it today or yesterday, to say, look, you know, my out of my comfort zone hat is to have a plan when I felt things are too much, when, whoa, you know, I, I got offered this however many years ago it was, six years or so ago, I got offered a job on live TV and I was like, whoa, that is way out of my comfort zone, but I mean, what an opportunity is that, you know, and it's to flip it and say, Hey, how am I going to cope with feeling of being out of my zone? Because this is one heck of an opportunity. I'm only getting one shot at this. And I, I completely get that not everybody can do that, but there are ways to cope with being out of your comfort zone. So I have always taken opportunities and tried things, and some of them have worked and some of them really haven't. It's like to kind of weigh it up and say, well, it's going to be good for me personally. There's going to be some personal growth. I might make some money. There might be some other successes and measurements I can sort of see from this opportunity. And um, yeah, you know, things come and go and, and just just take a chance sometimes is, is all it needs. For you and your business, Jen, can I ask, do you feel like you're out the other side of the perimenopausal turmoil is that the right word have you got a new story to tell now about what it's like in your 50s when things have settled down perhaps or we're not there yet (laughs) oh Helen 
They don't settle my love. Oh, God. That's the problem. Those hormones go and they're gone. So some of us, there's loads of stats around all of this. 75% of women experience some side effects of losing their hormones. Usually, typically starts mid 40s. It did for me. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like becomes a bit of a mess. Then you might go on the journey of, right, let me get some HRT. Da, 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 da. Then you go into menopause. Those hormones are gone. And so there is, and this took me a long time to come to terms with, there is life adjustments to be made. And I bloody hate that. And I'm so resentful of it right now. So I'm not through that. And I'm, I still have quite a lot of problems, if you like, if you want to attribute it. You know, I've, there's still a lot of adjustment going on. And that's been part of my journey this year because I haven't been well, really. Just It does affect us. You know, awful stats around women giving up jobs, losing top jobs, not not pursuing their goals because can't remember anything. They get too hot. They just don't sleep. You know, all of that stuff. And I think it's super important for women in their 40s and younger to know what might be coming and how it feels and what to look out for, because it can be okay. It's when we don't have information and when we don't have access to support and help. Um, it's when it can go wrong, really. So I'm not out the other side. I do have an updated story to tell, I think, and that might come out in the coming months as I talk more about it, because um, I'm just getting myself back into my work and I'm loving it again. I'm so glad you're enjoying it again. You've, I think this conversation has proved just how much you have to offer and will continue to have to offer people. So, yeah, and keep keep sharing. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, when you've had a period of time away, you just need to get out there again. You don't need to explain where you've been. You just, I did say, like, I'm back, guys, and I've been away, and it's, I've not really been much on social. I've not been using Instagram. And come with me for the ride if you fancy it. And let's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, and I've got the energy, and people will join me in the TikTok thing, or they won't. I've got my next few things are all planned out what I'm going to be doing. I'm just going for it. And let's just see. I'm going to help my people and get new people in there as well, because it's an ever evolving uh, journey and job. You know, that's what it is. You'll have got some new people from from this chat. I can tell you that. Thank you, Jen. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Helen. It's been lovely to chat with you. What a really very 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 lovely natter that was i found it calming and reassuring and inspiring at the same time and i thank jen for her frankness about how the menopause has affected her work and her ability to work and i hope that's been helpful for someone to hear we'll be back in a week with another wonderful guest and if you want more now come over and join the membership conversation in patreon the link is in the show notes love to you always and thank you for listening bye for now